Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. This is very exciting for me. I get to talk about myself for just a moment. Oh, it's part of an amazing documentary. I had to watch you. That it's is part of my homework. It's <laughs> coming Christ's out. Sake. We will talk about that. Plus, we're not going to have the Thursday three, which are the three things you should watch this weekend, because quite honestly, there weren't three. I were there? Find three, but I I got five. You shouldn't watch. So <laughs> what not to watch and not to watch, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so hopefully, I can save folks some time because there's some big stuff coming up that uh, just missed the mark. All right. All that comes your way. But first, let me tell you this. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing. It drives your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. I Ron R. We have a historic opportunity to creating an honest and ethical government. I want the people of Illinois to know you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, I, I've got this thing, and it's golden. And I, I'm just not giving it up. Nothing. Governor Blagojevich has been arrested in the middle of what we can only describe as a political corruption crime spree. How the hell could he stand up there and not be insane while he's telling us? I have done nothing wrong. He tried to sell a United States Senate seat. Yeah, that's me swearing at the top of my lungs, sitting in this very studio that we are sitting in now, talking about the reign of disgraced former Illinois governor, Milorad Rod Blagojevich. Is that his real first name? Milorad, yeah. Milorad. Yeah, not Rodney. People thought it was it Rodney. Sounds like something you get like if you're, you know, don't going plant-based. You know, I'll have the Milorad <laughs> burger. It's almost as good as a real cheeseburger. Yeah, the series is called Being Blago. Uh-huh. Uh debuts this Friday on Hulu. Um, it is a production of ABC-owned television stations. Uh, so the, you know, local affiliates, but specifically the ABC affiliate in Chicago. Uh, Matt Knutson, who you and I know very well, is the co-director and, and co-executive producer of this. And it's, you know, here's the thing, Ro. When I heard there was going to be a documentary series about Rod Blagojevich, I think like a lot of people, I was like, let go of my Blago. Like, you know, have we been Blagoed out? You know, people, I think, you don't have to be from Chicago because you became a nationwide figure. You know, everybody knows about his the famous recorded line where he had he had the U.S. Senate seat as the governor of Illinois, right? Why don't yeah. you walk us through this part, bro? Because you were <laughs> you were there, not as a candidate, but covering this extensively. Uh, now, this, by the way, is the third documentary about Blagojevich no. that I sat for. Okay, this is the only one <laughs> that has actually made it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of interesting because I, I I think people have tried to tell this story and it's complicated and weird. And one thing I love about this particular documentary, mm-hmm. and and I, of course now I say this, you know, being a part of it, so. Take that with a grain of salt, but it is done in that sort of Andrew McKay way. Yes. That it's done 
with a wink and a nod to the great work of Andrew McKay, like the big short and movies like that, where you're watching something, it's a narrative. And then all of a sudden there's a wink at the camera or there's somebody sitting in a bathtub trying to explain something to yeah, you. A little bit of that. And you're the guy, you're the Margot Robbie of this story in some ways, <laughs> uh, explaining this, how, you know, this guy who is, you know, a lawyer, a state representative, then he becomes governor of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And when Barack Obama gets elected, there's a vacant seat and the governor has the power to appoint someone and that's when there's all these tapes of Rob Blagojevich saying he's got this thing and it's fucking golden. Fucking golden. Is yeah. the, you know, and there were lots of other tapes and it ended up with, you know, Rod being convicted on multiple counts. But all as all of that was going on, you know, this is a guy and I've always said this about Blago. He's equal parts charismatic and irritating, narcissistic and reflective. He's definitely his own worst enemy because he won't oh, no question. stop talking. So he was on Celebrity Apprentice, and he got fired by Donald Trump. And he, there's a there's a great clip where he goes on David Letterman's show, and the, you know he and he, he sometimes he gets the, that he's the butt of the jokes, and sometimes not. He comes out, and Paul Schaefer and the band they're playing My Way, which is you know like no, you know, this guy's going to prison. You know he's been in peace already. And then he says, I wanted to be on your show in the worst way. And David goes, well, you are on the show in the worst way, right? <laughs> right. It's so, really true. And let, I'll go yeah, back and explain yeah. a little bit for those not from Illinois or don't remember the story. Mm. He he tried to sell the sentence, but he had already had a really crazy run-up of things that were happening around him. And it all started when his father-in-law, yeah. who was a very powerful alderman in Chicago, right. went before the cameras on the Monday or Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Yes. And outed his son-in-law for a fight that they'd gotten into yeah. over Thanksgiving, in which he basically threw his son-in-law under the bus and said that his son-in-law was corrupt. Yeah, and Dick Mell, who's another, you know, legendary figure, he's an alderman for like almost 40 years in Chicago, vice mayor of Chicago, and people don't know, there are 50 aldermen in Chicago. I think New York has maybe 10 councilmen. A lot of, you know, city governments have boards with agents. We have 50 here. Right. So there's always an alderman getting indicted somewhere. And they, can, they control various neighborhoods and wards. And it's all going back to the Democratic machine. And Rob Blagojevich was the beneficiary of that because Dick Mel was super powerful and helped him get elected. But then when he became governor... Dick Mel says Rod Blagojevich was engaged in all sorts of corruption. Rod Blagojevich says Dick Mel kept wanting bigger and bigger favors. And Rod, Superman that he is, you know, <laughs> keeper of the faith who got your grandma right on the fucking bus. That was another quote. I got right. your fucking grandma a free ride. Uh, wouldn't do that. So Blagojevich eventually gets, you know, talk. we talked in the last episode about paparazzi. And it's not so much paparazzi in this case, it's tons of press because the FBI comes to his house, right, in the, like, pre-dawn to yeah. arrest him. Mm -hmm. As they do, that's yeah. they want to get you maybe sleepy get and a little confused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, and you see his his two daughters and his wife, and and of course Rod talks to the press, and his people know he got put away for a real, and his people know he got put away for a very very long time, and then Barack Obama, as outgoing president, they figured, well, Barack will give us a pardon. Nope. nope. <laughs> so then. Who gives him the pardon? No, commutes his sentence. Actually, didn't give him a pardon, but, right. but commutes. Who do? Who gave him? Who commuted his sentence? Uh, the guy who was the producer and host of the game show yes. he was on. It's amazing, Donald Trump, because he saw Patty on Fox and a couple other channels making the case for her husband. And of course, that's really why he decided to commute him because he's a nice guy. And there's a there's amazing footage here, Ro, because what they did for being Blago, they walk us through all that. But the incredible thing is. 
he literally opens the doors to his home to the documentary filmmakers. Mm -hmm. The famous house that you see that has the Avita style porch. It's a kind of a it's sort of a, a steroids bungalow in a nice neighborhood in Chicago. And the house is still in the house, and he lets them inside. And he even takes them at one point, he's scooping up the dog poop on the back patio, and then he takes like the, the, the filmmakers into the family room and he goes, That's the spot right there where I said fucking golden. Right there. <laughs> you almost expect to see a plaque, you know. <laughs> And one of my favorite moments is, so it's all this access, and he talks about you know how he had a, a jailhouse band that yeah. would perform for yeah. the prisoners, mm -hmm. and he you know and he, he also has some you know there's some there's some heart wrenching moments because he talks about the fact that you know when he left when he went away he had two little girls when he came back they were grown young women yeah. you know yeah. I mean and that's that is that's a tragedy and people say well that's a tragedy of his own making but those little girls didn't deserve any of this. Uh, but the, he's making a, a more than he made his governor via cameo. He's making like twenty five hundred cameo people. That, you know, people know cameos. This this video service where you you know where you, you get a fee and you you can pay Brett Favre or Mike Tyson or whoever say whatever you want them to say. You know, the the twelfth star in the office, whoever you know, and to do birthday messages or whatever. They show him making a cameo, and a guy wanted a cameo for his friend Andrew. And all he wanted Rod to say was, you are fucking golden. That's what he wanted him to say. Rod delivers a seven-minute cameo to this guy, which he talks all about how he, and he goes, and I never let you down. I never crossed the line. And, he, and Donald Trump, who became my friend from Celebrity Apprentice, eventually is the one who set me free. And not even Abraham Lincoln ever fired and freed a man. This is a birthday cameo for Andrew. So it's it's. I'm thinking about that. I don't think he's right about that, actually. I'll bet he did. I'll bet I, he, that I, Abraham Lincoln I, I did that. I think probably every president up to Lincoln yeah. fired and freed people. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's, that's, that's just the reality true. of it. Yeah, okay. You know, and Ro Khan is in this documentary, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, identified as some sort of media expert, yeah. uh, commentator, yeah. providing insight. I covered that story with uh, incredible gusto. There are a few stories throughout my career that I really just sunk into because I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And his was one of them. Because I'd known him for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd covered him for a long time. I was at the event the night that he won the governorship of Illinois. And it was at a, it was at a factory, at a steel factory. It's literally in downtown Chicago, one of the last existing mm -hmm. things of its kind. And it's a factory that his dad, who was an immigrant yeah. from the former Yugoslavia, came to the United States. It really is the great American yeah. dream. You and know, yeah. raised these kids. And and, he, and these kids became something. His brother, Robert, which must have been very confusing, Rob and Rod yeah. in the house, mm -hmm. Uh, were you know they they both went on to become lawyers and to have you know very interesting careers so the family had a lot to be proud of but you know they always had sort of a guy with a screw loose you know in Rod who was completely uh, not just uh, a smart guy which he's a brilliant guy but he is such a borderline personality and i yeah. say that yeah. not as a doctor but just as a definitely though yeah as, you know whatever it is he's like he's 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 like all in or all out on everything and it was perfect for the time to become governor but he had convinced a lot of power brokers and especially in the legal community and in the business community in chicago power brokers especially first and second gener generation immigrants who were successful in, in and of themselves mm -hmm. 
they loved his story. So he yeah. became governor of the state of Illinois. And that night at that you know, victory party at that steel mill where his dad had worked, mm-hmm. that's the whole reason they did that. That's, that's how his dad was able to pay for their lives as kids mm-hmm. and then for them to go to law school and all the rest. So that was it was a great, you know, in Chicago, like New York in a lot of ways, in Boston and other great American cities, you know, they're cities of immigrants built by right. immigrants. Yeah. And and they're very proud. And these communities still thrive in Chicago. So it was a great story. And I kind of was entertained by the guy. I yeah. never believed him. I thought he was full of shit from the moment I met him. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those guys. You know, you just get a sense. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this guy's just going to be another huckster politician in a way that we didn't really have huckster politicians anymore. We In, mm. in Illinois, the governors, most of them went to jail, but they were all like business the guys. Old crony yeah, types. You right. know? Yeah. They looked like they were 100 when they got elected. You know? Right. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden you got, you know, this guy's coming up and he's you know super dynamic and he's and tailored he's suits and the big head of hair and right. you know Elvis impersonation you know big pop culture sports kind of guy yeah. Gladhander you know and very nice and you know and he and I uh, it, you know after the the <laughs> the first trial mm-hmm. in which he was uh, in which his jury was hung so he did not actually. Uh, get convicted in the first trial because yeah. he had a, a juror, maybe two, I can't remember yeah, now at the two moment, living, yeah. two that, that held out and said, you know, they, they weren't going to go along with the guilty conviction. And that really had a lot to do with the theatrics of his legal team at the time, which was really a dream team. Most people didn't see that around the country, yeah, but we saw it, it here. Televised, yeah, so. it was pretty amazing. Uh, but then he had the second trial because mm-hmm. the government wasn't going to let this go. And as a matter of fact, they were going to try to try him on more charges yeah. at that point Jeez. because, you know, he was a guy who replaced a governor who'd gone to jail. Right. So his whole pitch was, hey, I'm not a crook. It's a whole new day in Illinois. Right. Yeah. And they tried to sell the Senate seat. And you yeah. can't argue when you listen to those tapes. There's no way to argue that he wasn't trying to get something for himself out of it. Exactly. And there's a lot of times, you know, he's talking about his financial situation. He's just the governor. He's making, you know, less than $200,000 and he's got two kids and he wants money. I mean, there's a lot of talk about like everything's passing me by. And I do believe... Uh, and Ro, I remember you were—you know—you kind of brought me through this because we were doing a radio show together. And Rob, the brother, would call in, or the or one of his att- defense attorneys, because they were listening to the show, yeah. and be like, not just on the hotline, but on line one. And you know, but I remember you saying that when these feds bring these cases, like almost no one ever gets acquitted, and almost no one goes to court. And I do believe, you know, again, especially if this, if he had entered some sort of plea and been apologetic and express remorse he yes. might have gotten three years and the judge i know the judge was like no 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 you're getting the book all the books got thrown at him right and then his sentence got appealed which it should have probably been right because yeah. it was so different than other similar crime sentencing right that the appellate court wrote an opinion in which they said he could have gotten more yeah that, that he should be you know shut up and take it like a man basically right. and yeah they're basically saying like you should Quit while you're behind, because it could get worse. <laughs> and every once in a while, there'd be some footage you'd see him in the in the in the prison yard in Colorado, yeah. jogging, and oh my God, his hair is silver. I, you know, I did get to a point where even I thought, well, you know, he is serving a longer sentence than people that have been convicted of violent crimes. I thought that too. Even you know, me, it was it let him go an, home. Incredible, you know, he's credit. been disgraced. Right. You know, he and and it was heartbreaking. So even though, but I was yeah, troubled. No, Let me just yeah, say, there's sure. a couple things along the way here. That yeah. really always troubled me. His wife, Patty, who yeah. was the daughter of that very powerful alderman, that's yes. how you know a lot of this came to be. 
you know, she defended him all the way along. She's a very interesting person, I think, because mm-hmm. it, 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 she's super smart. She's a very dedicated mom, and you know, it, and she comes from you know a background where she saw a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. If you grew up in an alderman's household in Chicago, yeah, yeah. it's like just as you would imagine. You know, it's it it's like a, a government version of The Godfather every single day, yeah. right? Yeah. Without the murders, the problem I had was that she, when you listen to the tapes, was very much a co-conspirator there. Sometimes you hear her mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. ride the wave of Blago and like surf on top of it and try to calm him down and control his instincts and all that. And then other times, ginning him back up. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's the ultimate codependency between the two of them. And it is a love story, but when you see this documentary, it's kind of interesting because there's a great yeah. moment in the documentary oh, yeah. where they're basically saying, where literally the producers of the documentary are saying back to her, hey, this guy might run for public office again if he can. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know about that. You know, yeah, and- it's well, and yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, and, you know, again, they allow the cameras in there. So and, and Patty sits down. She does one interview and then she kind of makes it known that she really doesn't really want to participate. Um, and she's very candid and sincere. She talks about the fact that for eight years, it was her and the girls, two, her and two little girls. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was Rod was home with three strangers to him. And as she says it, and you know what she's saying, she goes, we went from nothing to 24-7. And Rod Blagojevich, 24-7, is a lot even for Rod Blagojevich. And then she fought, flat out says, because the Illinois State Senate had voted, you know, passed a resolution, he can never run for any office in the state of Illinois again. He's suing to get that all right. returned. Right. And they they asked Patty, and she says, you know, I didn't even want to do this first interview, but she says if he does it, it will be with his new wife because I'm gone. Yeah. I'm out of here. And he says, and he'll find one. And he says, he's like, you know, I just want to thank my wife who has been with me all this time, and I love you. And she just starts laughing, and she goes, for the cameras, really? Is that what we're going to do now? And he goes, no, I really mean it. She goes, okay. And you just go, oh, my. Yeah. I, I think there's a reason he runs eight miles a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I can't imagine. To go back to this, though, Ro, you're, you're fantastic in this. A lot of veteran <laughs> Chicago journalists. Uh, as you mentioned, there are some kind of interesting techniques. At one point, they have actors in a Chicago bar kind of explaining the history of Chicago politics. It's kind of a cool way of doing it. Uh, great job, though, by the filmmakers. The real key here was getting that access. Yeah. And people say, oh, it's easy. No, nah, nah, I mean, even Blagojevich knows how to work the press, but for him to say, come on in the house. So it's called Being Blago. It's a four-part series. Some episodes are like 30 minutes. The longest is maybe an hour. So it's not super, super long. It's just enough. I thought it was fascinating. And and they just do, I think, a brilliant job of not only you know bringing people through the history, but also showing us this guy's life because he remain- he's going to churches. He's going to fundraisers and bars. He looks like he's running for office. Yeah, no, no. I, I, yeah. I think he thinks he is. Right now, as right. we speak in 2021. I, I mean, I've met a lot of people in Chicago politics and in national politics who left politics or got voted out of politics and still think that they're running. You know, they, they hold yeah. that illusion to the very, very end. The one thing I think I love most about this documentary is it's entertaining in a way that's so smart and so yeah above its own subject in in that because it's looking down also and i think you're pointing this out it with a certain amount of sympathy for its target because uh, it can't help but be sympathetic it, to this guy because there's something wrong with him yeah and you know the last thing he, one of the last things he says though you're like okay he's not gonna win this lawsuit i don't think but he does say he goes listen i realize there are certain elections where i would get trounced but he goes if i ran for mayor right now oh against Lori lightfoot that's true 
I, I think I, you know what? He would win. That's I'm true. telling you right now, he would win. That's no question. I will just leave it at that, okay? <laughs> I think and as much as that shouldn't happen, Mayor Blagojevich would have the Chicago Press Corps and the National Political Press Corps uh, salivating. One more thing this town Listen, does Mary not and need. Barry can smoke crack and come back. <laughs> I guess. Don't I guess, rule anything out, Rokan. Yeah, Documentary star. Thanks. That's job, true. All right. Thank you. I think it is time to tell you about Portillo's. Okay. The greatest single fast casual cuisine experience you're going to have anywhere on the planet Earth. Right down to the poppy seed bun. You're going to enjoy it so much because it's one of the million great ingredients that Portillo's uses, whether it's the Italian beef or the sausage or the legendary chocolate cake. That's just all the beginning. Mm -hmm. The fries, the salads, the chicken telling you, if you have Portillo's... The burger. It, the burger's great. Yes. And, and you can get beer at the Portillo's, too, if you go nice. into the store. Nice. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you have a Portillo's near you and you've not eaten at a Portillo's before, let's say you live in California, Arizona, or Florida, where it's relatively new, you want to check it out. Take the Roe and Roper endorsement here. It's one of the finest experiences you're going to have ever in that kind of a food environment like fast casual you know it's not exactly fast food you can sit down it's nicer but it's super great portillos.com p-o-r-t-i-l-l-o-s.com ask your friends in chicago about it portillos.com we have an interesting but <laughs> not to watch and the thursday three coming your way because the thursday three doesn't add up to three but we'll get to that in a second yeah. what should we not be watching oh, this weekend bro i am just the bearer of bad news all around this week i will lead with the Big budget, much anticipated Eternals. Now, this is the latest epic in the Marvel Universe, the Eternals. But the movie's just called Eternals. But the Eternals are a group of celestial humanoid beings who have been on Earth for like 6,000 years. They're basically like the Greek gods. Like, you know, one of them's even named Icarus and okay. Athena and stuff like that. But they're not, they're not the Greek gods. The Greek mythology apparently came from the Eternals. And they have been um, placed on Earth by their great creator to defend humans from these the typical CGI evil creature mutant beasts that yeah. always you know take over the world. Uh, but they've been uh, they've been off the grid for centuries because they thought all the terrible devil creature mutants had been extinguished. But now they're back. So now it's set mostly in present day, and the Eternals have to get the band back together. They've been you know one of them's been living in South Dakota, one's in London. One's in the jungle, and they've just been living as humans, but they never age. Like they're they're almost immortal, and now they got to get back together because one of them gets killed by the wicked evil beast. They have to get back together for the funeral, at which time then we you know we find out about their relationships and their dynamics. So it's basically the big chill, except for they got laser beams that they could shoot from their eyes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, this so this exists. In the in the Marvel universe, they talk about <laughs> oh, um, Captain America and they talk about Tony Stark. And the question is brought up: Well, why didn't the Eternals help out? You know, when Thanos threatened the world, and they said, "Well, we weren't allowed to interfere because our God said we couldn't." Oh, that's a fucking cop out. But okay, so now they're tasked with. You saving mean they hadn't own. been signed to the movie yet? Yeah, you know, it was a different franchise. And it's it's it, it, here's what I like about this. Um, uh, it's the most diverse cast in Marvel Cinematic Universe history. There's a, a deaf character. There's a, a gay character and a happy and, you know, a healthy relationship, and that's cool to see. Um, there's even a, a love scene between two superheroes. Now, it's very, 
you know, from here to oh, Eternals. Get hurt in that. Yeah, it's, they? it's from here to Eternals. It's like from here to Eternity. <laughs> I mean, they roll around on the beach a little bit. It's very G-rated. Oh. But yeah, they don't really talk about the fact that my goodness, ow, ow, yeah. Ow, 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 yeah. Well, ow, I guess ow. equal forces, you know. <laughs> So there's some interesting dynamics, and uh, Chloe Zhao, who just won the Academy Award for Nomadland, is the director. Yeah. Talk about a wow. change in, in you know, uh, scope. I mean, she's done these small, brilliant films about the American West and modern life. Uh, so they went to a lot of locations, which is kind of cool, because most of the time they just film these things on, you know, Pinewood Studios in London and uh, Atlanta. You know, with green screens. And they, so, but once they get past all that, Ro, we just end up with the big giant CGI fights. You know, at the end where it's the, everybody's flying and nothing looks quite real. and Everybody's shooting laser beams. And then somebody always ends up jumping on the biggest of the beast. They always do that move. They did it in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, they do they, it. They, yeah. You jump on the beast and then you can stab it in the eye, you know, as you're riding it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, ah, the beast goes, ah, you got me in the eye. You know, the little creature always wins. <laughs> so uh, two hours and 37 minutes, too. You know, it felt like an eternity. So unfortunately... <laughs> Uh, very disappointed in Eternals. <laughs> so the film was Eternal, is what yes, you're saying? exactly. Okay. All right. I guess we won't be seeing that. I was kind of looking forward to it. But yeah. I've become a bit of a Marvel geek in my later years. Listen, there are some people who are absolutely loving it because it does do some bold and different things. But to me, it just devolved into the usual story. And also, if they're tasked in this movie with saving the world, okay, they tell us the Eternals couldn't help the Avengers because their creator said don't interfere, right? Okay. How come the Avengers can't help them now? They never address that. I'm just saying. Okay. I would think that's an excellent point if I understood it. <laughs> uh, what else should we not be watching? This is a real crushing disappointment for me, Ro. I was very excited about this. Uh, Dexter was a great series on Showtime. Michael C. Hall as the serial killer who was also worked, what was he, like a forensic pathologist, right, for the Miami Police Department. But he would he would knock off serial killers in gruesome fashion, and he had this whole dark inner voice and everything. In the finale of Dexter, uh, everybody thought he was killed. They figured out that the guy helping them investigate all these crimes was committing all these crimes. So in the finale, he disappears, and he winds up in some logging town, you know, and that's the end of Dexter. Now, eight years later, Dexter New Blood picks up his story in present day. Uh, and I thought, that's kind of cool. Let's find out what happens. And his son is now, you know, college age. His young son finds him very quickly, even though he's living under a different name. And his dead sister is now the voice of his kind of conscience. So they got a way to bring Jennifer Carpenter back. But it's just it's just poorly written and not really well acted. It feels like everybody's kind of going through the motions. And he's living this quiet life. And then all of a sudden, we have to have a bunch of murders because if not, there's no Dexter. So in the small town, you know, there's a killing here. There's a missing person there. Looks like we got a serial killer over there. And Dexter, who hasn't killed anybody for for eight years, brings out the old switchblade. Mm. But I, it's one of those where I think they should have just left it alone. Oh. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh. That's too bad. Because I know huge Dexter fans out there that yeah. really want to see this. But maybe just kind of seeing him again. Yeah, and I will say this. They showed me, Showtime gave me the first four episodes, and it did get more intrigued, a little better, but just I think it's trying to you know grab the fans right away. So let's get let's get a murder in the first episode. Yeah. Let's get it going. And maybe I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's terrible, but it's still in what not to watch. All right. Here's another one for you. <laughs> and we're talking about, these are not little indie films and efforts we're talking about, Ro. Finch is an Apple TV Plus feature film. It was going to be on the big screen, but they decided to do the Apple TV Plus thing. Tom Hanks Tom is Hanks. in this one. Heard of him. Now, 
he plays, and, and you know, this is unfortunate to me too because we've seen this a million times. He's like basically the last man on Earth. There's big some big solar flare has been exploded, and it's 148 during the daytime, and almost everybody, you know. Of course, man has turned against man, woman against woman, puppy against kitten. You know, everybody's fighting. And so he's, of course, just happened to be a tech wizard. So he's figured out he's fashioned a mobile home and he figures out a way to, you know, get sustainable food. And he builds a robot. So he builds a humanoid robot and it's him, his robot, and his dog. They always got to trot the dog out in these movies. And you're looking at that beautiful mangy mutt and you're like, you're not making it out of the final act, are you, buddy? (laughs) Maybe he does in this one, though. And it's all about Finch deciding to make the cross-country drive to San Francisco because, of course, he hears there might be other people still around. We've seen this movie so many times before, Rope. And even Tom Hanks, you know, I love him. He And he's an actor who plays so well with others on screen. But I think he really likes playing these loners. Castaway. Yeah. Uh, terminal, where he was in the terminal of the airport all by himself. Even in Apollo 13, it's just him and the other two dudes. I mean, he, he likes to separate himself from humanity Yeah, in these movies. Yeah, well, he can. He's that good of an actor. And he's great in this, but I... And the robot becomes so, you know, human-like. Like, it slumps its shoulders when it gets its feelings hurt. And uh. it talks in, like, a cutesy voice. And I'm like, this feels like Castaway meets Wally. Well, so one of the things I think... If you're a producer in Hollywood, in the current economic environment where you're not sure if your money's going to mm. actually return based on how the movie's going to get played, mm. you know, like it is here on Apple TV versus a big theatrical release, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you make decisions along those lines. And I'm sure they had already decided this prior to the pandemic. But if you're going to pay for Tom Hanks, how many more actors can you pay for? They got the dog, Skippy, Skippy, or whatever. The, dog <laughs> so, I mean, the point is that and those are expensive movies. Once Tom Hanks is attached to them, well, it is. You better one, figure you're it right out. about that because you know we've seen Will Smith, we've seen a lot of big actors kind of playing the last man, right, or last woman standing, as the case may be. But it, it, I was really disappointed. In this and this, the, the director and writer uh, did a lot of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. So I thought, you know, this might, and it has a good look to it. It looks like a movie, and he, of course, is wonderful. But I'm like. I don't know. It, it feels too like there might have been some rewrites that kind of veers in a couple of... Like halfway through, you're like, what's going to happen? Oh, we, we have to have some threats. You know, there's got to be a mysterious other human. Whenever they meet the other human, they're never nice. They always want to kill them <laughs> for their beans. <laughs> Hand over the robot and the beans. We, you know, you know? Um, I believe that at some point we should probably do the Last Man on Earth series for the podcast. That's a good idea. Starting with Omega Man and kind of working your way through yeah. all of the different iterations of that story. Because... Quite honestly, when I saw Mega Man as a little kid, I thought, wow, this is cool. I'd like to be the only person on Earth. I'm a bit of a loner myself in a weird way. Charlton Heston, and he got laid at one point. Right, um, in a weird way, because it turns out there were other people on Earth. They were zombie-ish. Charlton Heston was doing the same thing. He always wanted to be by himself. He was Moses. He had to go up and do all that by himself. (laughs) And then then he... uh, he was in that Planet of the Apes. You know. Yeah, I get but it. But even in that, he got laid in that one, too. He always <laughs> Chuck Heston always had it written into his script, I'll be a beautiful woman. <laughs> on the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, she'll be you know a human captive. Don't worry about it. And don't worry, yeah. I'll kiss the ape. It'll work yeah, out. Yeah, Kim Hunter. Yeah, oh my God. All right, I got another one for yeah. you. This is a feature film called Dangerous, and it's kind of an intriguing premise. Scott Eastwood, who is the son of Clint Eastwood, is a really good actor. And he's really starting to look like mid-70s Clint Eastwood yeah. now. You know, he's really handsome. He's got a great look. So he plays a, a serial killer, kind of a former special ops guy who went rogue, who has been paroled. I'm not sure why he was paroled. They don't really expect to, uh, explain that. 
He's they just said it. they really don't explain. And not really sure why he got out because we're told he has killed many. He's a sociopath. He feels nothing, no empathy, not nothing good, nothing bad, no human feelings whatsoever. And yet he's still living in a halfway house and he's got a, a little ankle bracelet monitor thing. And of mm-hmm. course, he breaks out and he goes to this remote island where his brother has just died under mysterious circumstances. And he's going to figure out what happened. And what happened was his brother was in some sort of trouble. And before the whole thing's out, spoiler alert, there's a, a reveal that ties in a World War II. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. But what makes this movie, Rob, particularly horrible is that Mel Gibson gives the worst performance of his career. Oh, no. He plays uh, Scott Cooper's character, whose name is Dee. They call him Dee. Uh, he is Dee's longtime therapist, his psychiatrist, right? Dr. Alderson. And we know he's in Cleveland, Ohio, because we get a graphic that says Cleveland, Ohio, as we see a Canadian city for sure, because they filmed it up in Canada. But <laughs> the it, Canadian flag. But that, and it says, I love when it says Cleveland, Ohio, or you know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, like just in case you guys don't know where these cities are. Uh-huh. Uh, and he plays him as this uh, nut uh, with a serious drinking problem. Who, so Fomke Jansen, who we love, plays the special FBI agent, the FBI special agent. She comes knocking on his door and says, you know, one of your clients has gone, has, has escaped. And uh, before he escaped, uh, he beat a man, he tortured him, he left him in a coma, hanging from the shower rod in his bathroom. Mel Gibson's doctor says, but I've been giving him aversion therapy and modification, and he's ready to reintegrate into society. And she says, I just told you. <laughs> You're not listening, Doc. <laughs> and the rest, and then she leaves. The rest of the movie, Mel Gibson is by himself in his home office in Cleveland, comma Ohio, uh-huh. because the uh, Scott Eastwood character of D keeps calling him because he's starting to have some violent urges, and he, and, you know, he keeps sort of just wounding and crippling people and maiming them because he doesn't want to kill anymore. And the character that Mel plays drinks and drinks and drinks, and by the end of the movie. When the character calls him, he's too drunk to give him any good advice, and then he passes out. So, and he's chewing up the scene, chewing up the scenery, and he's also playing maybe the worst psychiatrist in the history of the motion picture, other than maybe Doctor Hannibal Lecter, who I think was some sort of therapist, right? At first, before he yes, started eating yes, people, was, yeah. So, okay, he's number two. Mm-hmm. All right, he's number two. You know the damsel in distress element of filmmaking from the silent era right the woman on the tracks right that's been used in every narrative film since that you have to have somebody in peril and then there has to be this moment where everything falls apart and you're thinking how is it ever going to come back together this is a unique convention (laughs) i have never seen this before where the guy's too drunk the therapist is too drunk to actually help the client and he's like ah and then he finally goes you do what you got to (laughs) do You gotta kill these people to get out of there. What am I? And then he wakes up the next oh, morning God. and he's just hungover. So that, that's enough not to watch it. That is I a think, steaming right? pile of. Shit can I give right you there. one? Yeah. The, can I give you the Thursday one? Yeah. Okay. So that's the whole point. We don't have a <laughs> yeah. Thursday three. No. You couldn't come up with two other things. I will say this though, as we are recording this, I have yet to see Spencer, which is the film with Kristen Stewart playing Diana. Uh, and I will have a review up at the end of this week on SunTimes.com. My okay. written review. Okay. I, I'm seeing the screen. I'm seeing so the movie just a few days before it opens. We can so kind of we hold out we hope have, for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. But the other movie that I can recommend 
is a small but really intriguing film called Violet. You're a freak. You're fat. Your hair is gross. You're a baby. You smile. Don't be a bitch. Everyone can see you. You should be falling. There. Don't you feel better now? I feel weird lately. Are you sick? You know, the committee in your head that tells you that you're a terrible person. You're nothing. Just never really noticed him before. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. You're a loser. Are you okay? You're so selfish. I just don't feel like I'm on top of things. Loosen up. The way I've always been doing things just doesn't work now. And this stars Olivia Munn. People know her. She's been in, you know, she was on Newsroom. She was terrific. Lots of feature films, supporting roles. Uh, the film's directed by Justine Bateman, which is kind of interesting to me. And it's really, really well done. Olivia Munn plays the title character. She's a Hollywood studio executive at like a boutique studio that does like award-winning type films. So mm -hmm. she's like 32, beautiful, smart, successful. And she is dealing with serious anxiety disorder and she believes she's not good enough at her job, that she doesn't deserve love, that she can't cope with anything, being out in public, a lot of panic attacks. And an interesting technique that could have gone wrong but actually works really well, Justin Thoreau, the great actor Justin Thoreau, plays the voice in her head. It's a male voice in her head telling her, you know, like if she thinks she's going to stand up to her boss, he's like, don't do it. You're not good enough. You'll get fired. So there's sort of this misogynistic bullying element to the voice in her head. And she's created the voice in her head, so that's what she's hearing. And it's all about her trying to battle those demons. And it's done in a very stylized way. Lots of flash edits and kind of flashbacks. But uh, it's the best performance of Olivia Munn's career. Wow. Cause she's saying something. You know, but she usually plays, she, she is very smart, and she usually plays very smart, kind of cold or at least cool characters. Mm -hmm. And here she's playing different notes because she's outwardly successful, but we see how incredibly vulnerable and scared and lost she is. And we're really rooting for Violet to quiet that voice in her head. So, yeah, the movie is called Violet, and Justine Bateman actually put this together. She's done some small films. She's written some scripts. Uh, people know her, of course, from Family Ties and then all the way up through Arrested Development. Terrific actress. But she says she wishes this film had been around when she was young in Hollywood, which is kind of interesting. Oh, very Oh, I can't wait to see this now. Violet. You have sold me. The Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Renee Nelson and Tim Alanius are our executive producers. Our great and talented editor and production director, Demita Menezes, put this all together for yep. you. See you next time.